Welcome everyone out to Utah in the Weeds. My name is Tim Pickett and this is episode 90, episode 9-0. And this episode is the episode before my two-year anniversary. And you know what? We go along so fast and we're doing these episodes. Chris Hollifield reached out to me and mentioned, hey, you know what came up in my Facebook feed? Uh, the fact that this is a, the two-year anniversary of Utah in the Weeds this month. So, and, and, and I wasn't even thinking about it. So next week, we're going to do something special and give away something for the, uh, for the uh, two-year anniversary of Utah in the Weeds. So stay tuned. Subscribe at any podcast player that you have access to. Uh, subscribe to Utah in the Weeds. Tell your friends. We're going to give away something uh, something cool. Definitely a sweatshirt. Definitely a Utah in the Weeds sweatshirt is coming at you. Probably a t-shirt um, as well. And then something else that's a surprise. So uh, there's the hook. Today's episode is with Blake Smith. And we did a webinar. We're going to rebroadcast that because we talk a lot about pain and we talk about cannabis for pain, so a little more educational maybe. This podcast, uh, I, I love to re-release these um, webinars because they're they're kind of a different style, uh, a little more educational format, and you can always catch that webinar on Discover Marijuana on YouTube. Uh, just about to hit 2,000 subscribers. And if you're not subscribed to, to, to uh, Discover Marijuana, you're going to want to be subscribed because March is a massive month for giveaways. We're going to be giving something away every single week on Discover Marijuana on YouTube. And if you, were, if you know what we gave away last time, we gave away a PAX 3 complete kit. Uh, we gave away some, uh, I think, a PAX 2. We gave away a bunch of... Uh, clothes and swag, and we are gonna we're gonna blow the doors off this time. Um, excited to keep uh, these episodes coming at you again. Subscribe. This is Blake Smith and Tim uh, talking about pain and the Utah Cannabis Program and how it might help you. Enjoy. So welcome everybody out to uh, our webinar, Discover Marijuana Webinar Series. I'm Tim Pickett. I'm Blake Smith. Uh, uh, Blake is the chief science. You've got so many titles, I can't even keep them all straight. CEO of Zion Medicinal. Chief science officer. Yep. Zion Medicinal. Uh, and also, I, go ahead. I'm also the chief uh, science officer and CEO of Intrepid Biosciences and the chief technical officer for CHU2 and probably the chief science officer for um, the Henderson Group. I think you may need to start saying no to some things. <laughs> That's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. But the, they're all doing good things. They're trying to make life better for people and they want to do it doing cannabis science and nanotechnologies. And so how can I say no? I know that's what's so hard. So tonight, uh, and, and and for those of you who don't know me, um, I'm a medical cannabis uh, provider. I specialize in um, I specialize in taking care of people who need to use medical cannabis for their medical condition. I teach people how to use cannabis. I educate them on the, the, uh, 
all of the things surrounding cannabis. And I, I love it. It's, it's so rewarding and so fun to watch people feel better with something natural instead of something um, and reduce the, the use of pharmaceuticals. So tonight we're going to be talking about pain specifically, kind of all about pain, chronic pain, acute pain, cannabis use for pain. Uh, and uh, so well-titled here, The Hurt Blocker. I'm going to, uh, so we'll, yeah, again, we'll talk about acute and chronic pain. We'll get into a little bit of the mechanism of action of cannabis and cannabinoids, what we know and maybe what we don't know. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about cannabinoids and terpenes that may be good for pain. Um, deep dive into THC and, of course, our favorites, uh, some suggestions at the end. So let's talk about acute pain first. What is acute pain? We're talking sharp pain, sudden pain. Uh, 10 days ago, my, my psoas spasmed up and I was completely incapacitated. That's acute pain. Couldn't walk from the bedroom to the kitchen. Um, and, and acute pain disappears as injury heals. That's the key with acute pain. It happens now, but it's going to go away. We have a, a good process in the body for acute pain, broken bones, surgery, uh, of course, labor and childbirth, God bless them, dental and orthodontic work, and you know, everything, you know, bump, bump your hand. Chronic pain is a little different. So in Utah, chronic for the cannabis, uh, for the cannabis program in Utah, chronic pain is two weeks or more of pain that is not well controlled with a a typical treatment or medication or therapy. Typically chronic in medicine is something that is longer than three months, uh, tends to be kind of that threshold of chronic. When we talk to patients and something lasts a little bit longer than three months, the issue with chronic pain uh, is sometimes the, with acute pain, you get a broken bone, you have pain, you have healing, you have no more pain. But what if your bone healed, but you still had pain? That's, that's kind of one of the keys with chronic pain. It's, it's a disassociation with what's happening physically. And, and it becomes this long-term thing, almost regardless of whether or not you have uh, some type of physical or mechanical dysfunction or problem in the, in the body. But, but you just have this pain uh, response. So Cancer tends to be, go ahead. One other thing that, that often causes this is, you know, when you think about injury, so you break a bone, for example, you have nerve bundles, you have nerve fibers, you know, you have certain areas in the body that are hard for your body to get all of the repair mechanisms into those spaces. So your bone may heal within eight weeks completely, but the nerve fibers themselves may not heal in that same amount of time. And so, you know, you no longer, and what will often happen with chronic pain is your acute pain masks something that's going to last much longer. And so as the acute pain starts to go away from like the broken bone or the burn, you'll discover that you had other injuries that you were unaware of that is going to take a lot more time to get fixed. Yes. And nerves are notoriously hard to heal. 
uh, if they ever heal in a lot of uh, a lot of times. But I think uh, in school we were taught that nerves can grow about a centimeter a year. Um, so sometimes you get some nerves back. Arthritis here, I want to highlight arthritis because arthritis is it's the number one cause of like chronic pain, I think nationwide. And yeah. it has to do with the aging population, frankly. Everybody's gonna get arthritis. Um, eventually, some type of arthritis from overuse. We just, you know, we're not we're not built to live forever. Well, and and arthritis particularly occurs where um you have joints and you're not using bone or muscle or tendon. It's it's literally like the the you know material in your nose, the material in your ears, but in your joints typically. Because because the way this typically works is you have all these self recognition proteins that tell you you know in the case of Tim, hey I'm Tim, I'm a Tim cell, and then an immune system cell will go by and communicate and say I'm also a Tim cell. Everything's cool. And those transmembrane-bound self-recognition proteins is how your body identifies things that are foreign invaders. And so it amounts an immune response when it says, hi, I'm Tim. And the other one says, uh, well, I'm not, or I'm, I'm Bob, or whatever it is. So, so what ends up happening there is when you look at like your joints with collagen and things like that, you, you break off through multiple use those those transmembrane bound proteins and so all of a sudden your your immune system doesn't recognize your own joint cells as being self cells and so one of the first immune responses you have is to attack it with chemicals histamines isophils uh, neutrophils and all of these other things and so that is where you get this red inflammation and the locking of the joints and pain with arthritis and so the problem is you can repair those proteins for most cells. You cannot repair them for your joints, for, for cells that are basically fixed, that don't, that don't have an ability to multiply and then replenish themselves. Sorry, I went on a diatribe, but- No, you, you know. didn't. No, you absolutely didn't. Now let's switch over to the mechanism of action. What we know, uh, you know about well, and we were really talking about the kind of the mechanism of pain, right? We're talking about when we um, when we talk about the mechanism of action. Explain a little bit more about the mechanism of action. Of uh, it's hard to describe the mechanism of action of the endocannabinoid system as a whole, right? Other than to say, from my side, when I talk to patients, I talk about the fact that cannabinoids are going to stimulate healing when it when it needs to be when something needs to be healed and cannabinoids are going to inhibit things when they need to be inhibit inhibited and i and i use broad terms when i talk to patients because the endocannabinoid system is a system that strives for homeostasis it strives for balance right yep. and cannabis tends to I feel like it tends to try to balance things. So, 
So a, a body enters into homeostasis because ultimately it's thermodynamically more favorable for a body to do that. So, so the whole purpose of organic life is to fight entropy. So I'm, I'm getting kind of really big here, but when we, when we think about it, we're thinking about it like there's a finite amount of usable energy in the universe. So when we say usable energy, we're talking about energy that can do other things, convert and so forth. Heat energy doesn't convert back to, say, kinetic energy, or heat energy doesn't convert back to, to usable other forms of energy. And so your body uses energy to stay organized. And so we're now talking about the second law of thermodynamics. All ordered things start to move to an unordered state. And, and the only way to maintain that order is to use energy to do so. So what ends up happening is your body has been designed and, and whether you know you believe in God or evolution or whatever it is, your body has, has been honed in based on these laws of thermodynamics to specifically be in its most energetically favorable state. So when we talk about homeostasis, what we're talking about is expending the least amount of energy to do all the functions that your body has to do. Endocannabinoids or your endocannabinoid receptor system is a helper to your normal central nervous system and maintaining homeostasis. And so think about it like if you have a, a bag of M&Ms and all those M&Ms are neurotransmitters, okay? If you have more brown ones, your body's natural inclination is to get more brown ones into equal piles onto both sides. And so what ends up happening is if you have imbalance, cannabinoids can help reestablish balance in places where you're either having deficit or too much. Anyway, sorry. No, but that, I think what's important there is we, we understand the, the broad piece of the endocannabinoid system, right? We understand broadly what it does. And we're, we're, we're trying to figure out all of the little details there are certainly too many details that we don't know, but we know it finds balance. So chronic pain, when you're talking about pain, it's trying to figure out the, it's essentially trying to figure out the, the system and try to, to balance it back out. There's a theory, uh, it's a growing theory that because the human, because humans evolved next to ca the cannabis plant that cannabinoid deficiency actually can, can be a, uh, it almost can be a cause of these chronic problems. Yeah. So let's go to, uh, we're talking about cannabinoids for pain relief, terpenes for pain relief. I, I feel like my favorite terpene for pain relief is beta caryophyllene. right? It's, it's, a, it's good anti-inflammatory, um, tends to be strong in strains that are good for pain relief, cushes and, and hazes. Um, but talk about information about cannabinoids for uh, pain. Yeah, so again, most cannabinoids are mimicking a natural neurotransmitter that's already being produced. Now, we don't know all of them, but we know some of them, right? When we look at like CBC, CBC is, is typically an anticonvulsant, and it is most effective for things like Parkinson's and seizure type conditions that are energetic seizures, not necessarily uh, freezing type seizures where all of a sudden you lock. Instead, this is one where you're having misfires of energy, energetic signals. Um, but CBC can help with pain specifically because if you're having nerve misfiring, CBC can help regulate that. 
Um, so when we look at CBD, um, CBD is mimicking normal GABA pathways, right? Now, one of the things that's cool about CBD is it doesn't inhabit all the normal receptor sites that GABA does, but it inhabits some of them. And so this is why when people talk about CBD, well, it's great for pain, it's great for inflammation, it's great for stress, it's great. If you wanna know all the things that CBD potentially can affect, start looking at all the different receptor sites and, and uses that your body has for GABA. Right. And so so that's that's why that one becomes so effective in terms of pain relief. When we think about CBG, CBG is absolutely and you're going to get to this in your slides, basically CNS pain that comes from the brain down versus pain from an acute place moving back up to the brain. CBG is extremely effective at blocking signaling coming from an acute source to the brain that basically says we don't have to enact the, the sympathetic nervous system to start having, having a histamine reaction, epinephrine, cortisol, and all these other things associated with a pain response, which are almost always associated with pain, uh, fight or flight, right? So mm -hmm. CBG is effective in that particular space. CBN downregulates uh, when you're awake serotonin pathways, and it, it downregulates also when you're going to sleep with the melatonin pathway. So if you're having overall stress or anxiety or sleep issues, and that's that's causing long-term pain, CBN is effective, especially if you think about your body does almost all of its repair while you're sleeping. So if your pain is keeping you awake and you're not getting good sleep, you're not fixing the thing, your body's not fixing those areas of pain. So CBN can be extremely effective there. Delta-8 has a very high absorption cellular rate. And so when we look especially at organ pain, stuff that's in the trunk of the body, Delta-8 is extremely effective at lowering inflammation or at least the pain response associated with that. Um, whereas Delta-9 is a more CNS response where your body then responds and, and stimulates the dopamine pathway ultimately. And so you mask pain using Delta-9. The terpenes are particularly interesting. You brought up beta-carotophylline. Beta-carotophylline and your other carotophylines in general are all derived from pepper plants. And so at some point, humans were growing weed with pepper plants. And it most likely what we've seen genetically is that mostly came from the Middle East. And uh, so plants have a unique thing where they will often share genetic and chemicals back and forth with each other. Um, terpenes are one of the things that plants will freely share back and forth over periods of time and generations. And so it's likely that most forms of weed that are high in carophylline were originally derived from the Middle East. But that's neither here nor there. The point is, we know pepper plants are often used for acute pain and relief of those type of things in, in several ways or forms. And that's the reason why. Here's the biggest problem with terpenes in general is I believe very, very much that they're effective. The mechanism of action of terpenes is almost impossible to determine. It's, yep. it's just like lavender and some of these other things. I don't think they don't work. I mean, there's plenty of studies that show that enough people are affected in a positive way by taking certain types of, you know, oils and, and you know, natural products that it, it's effective. But when we try to break it down, how it actually is a dose response, 10 milligrams of lavender oil equates to this lowering of stress, that's, it's really hard to do. And so on the terpene profile, I believe in it, but I don't know how it's doing what it's doing per se. And that's where you come into more than these cannabinoids as well, right? So, yeah. um, you know, we, 
we're we're describing these the mechanism of action a little bit or the the function of these cannabinoids in the in the in the body but there are 120 yeah right cannabinoids so most the vast majority we still don't know much about yeah and, and you know really most of these start with the precursor molecules right so like gab is a precursor molecule um in, in the case of like uh delta 9 and delta 8 it's anandamide that you're initially starting that process to for the production of dopamine and so forth right but so so we can look at those precursors but they're pretty light tightly linked with an ultimate outcome of a final chemical the terpenes are like <laughs> the precursor molecules with terpenes are like you know there's 30 or 50 of them or even more so it's like well where does humulene go in and actually cause an effect I, I don't know, like we have a grab bag of, of all kinds of places it could go and all kinds of things it can do. So, um, so, so that's and, why when you find a really cool combination of cannabinoids with terpenes, high five, stick with it because there's something synergistic going on with that combination that is providing the relief that you need. That particular point right there is, is, good enough to be repeated when you find a strain or a product and a combination of cannabinoids and terpenes that work for you you've got to like write that down right write the strain yeah. down write the product down because there it's no kidding that one strain is is going to work for somebody and it might not work for somebody else and there's I think there's probably countless examples of this. One I I, uh, I know of in Israel, a seizure patient who is using a cannabis product, a natural cannabis cannabis product. Seizures are almost completely uh, gone. Change the formulation, seizures come back, and they had to do a lot of research to figure out, you know, the the breakdown of what they grew. The, Tim, so you're very smart too, and this really, really good job on this one because that bears repeating too. This is the biggest challenge in in the marijuana industry as a whole, both on the medical side as well as the adult use side. Getting the same product every single time, produced in the same way with the same outcomes, is really not many people are doing that or doing that well. And so that's that's one of the things that that makes this really important as we do this because we have to like treat this like medicine and so that somebody who's relying on this for relief gets the same thing every time they take it. Yep. Okay, let's dive into delta 9. Really I in in my opinion delta 9 is one of the biggest factors for pain relief and uh, and it's it's because of the disassociation. Uh, you're essentially putting your pain over there on the couch. That's what Delta 9 does uh, from a practical standpoint. It disassociates the brain and the thought process from that pain um, and that symptom. People will have headaches or uh, toothaches. And it's almost like I am my headache or I am my toothache. And THC takes the toothache, puts it over there. It doesn't That's necessarily right. take That's away right. the pain. It takes away the perception of the pain 
so that a person can move on and do what they want to do during the day, right? And that that's an imp I think it's I think it's important to talk about that because when we you know we talk about a lot of cannabis users just want to get high and then we talk about chronic pain and and people just want to get high. Well, the truth is people being high is part for some patients is part of the process. Yeah. Right? Espe look, especially if you're you've been self-medicating for a really long period of time. If you're self-medicating, how do you know that your self-medication is doing what you need it to do? Well, a head change is a really clear indicator that you know the medicine is doing what it's supposed to do, right? But but we've talked about this before. It, it's a challenge because you have this, this um, legacy group that uses that that's the indicator they use. But as we've talked about before, you know, it would be really odd if you take a Tums and you got high from that to let you know your Tums is working or your aspirin or something. Most medicine is not designed to have you feel a particular way as an indicator that it's doing what its job is. And this is one of the reasons why a lot of people who are high in THC think that CBD is not very effective because they're expecting to feel this grandiose change. But like what I would say is, you know, from my case, I have bum shoulders from you know, being too rowdy in my younger days. And, you know, without CBD or a lot of NSAIDs, I can't raise my arm above my head. And I just did it right now, but I can tell you it's because my inflammation is so much lower, but it's not like I take CBD and I'm like, oh, I can do cartwheels now. I don't feel like a billion bucks. The difference is when I'm sitting here talking with you, I can raise my arms. Whereas if I'm not taking it, oh boy, that, that would probably cost me pain for about two to three days. And it is going to be different for chronic pain. It's going to be different for acute yes. pain. Um, one thing that I've really noticed recently with my, frankly, with my back injury is you have, so let's talk about chronic pain for a minute and then acute pain. With chronic pain, I like, um, I like to have people learn how to low dose or micro dose more consistently and then use inhaled methods on top of their, their low dose because it gives you a more therapeutic, kind of tends to give you more therapeutic effect. But the micro dose may be at the head change level or below. And so just enough maybe disassociation that you, that you know it's, it's there. Yeah. Or like Blake said, maybe you can raise your shoulder, you don't feel high, and there is THC on board. It's, it's disassociating you from your pain, but you don't know, it's not enough. It's enough to reduce your symptoms, but it's not enough to get you high. That's, that's ideal. Yeah. That, that, one, that would be ideal. Yeah. One of the coolest things about THC Delta 9 as a pain reliever, especially for acute use, is like you get a root canal, for example, and they traditionally would give you codeine or whatever it is. What really just needs to happen is you basically, you've just had your jaw like punched a bazillion times. You just need to heal. That's all that really needs to happen there. You don't, yep. and so- You need time. You, you need, need time, time to heal. That's right. So you just need to heal. So, okay, rather than being loopy with your coding or something like that, we'll just go ahead and disassociate using some THC, which is not as much as you have to take on the coding side. It doesn't have the negative effects, 
and it can get you over that acute pain pretty quickly. And so it's it's really a kind of a cool way to think about it. I this is exactly what happened to me with my back ten days ago. I mean, you lock you lock it up, and you know there are there's healing that needs to take place. There's anti-inflammation that needs to take place. So in my case, there was prednisone involved to try to really lower that inflammation and get that get that going. And there was a significant amount of and there was a lot of discussion with a couple of other providers about this, but there was a lot of THC use because really what I needed was time. Yeah. I needed, I needed muscle relaxation and I needed time. Yeah. And me personally, I tend to be a person who is very, very motivated to get a lot done. So it is extremely hard for me to lay in a bed all day long, you know, for two or three days. And it, it really takes some disassociation in order to do that for me. Right and to keep more effective to, to kind of keep me down. Yeah, and it's more effective to use an indica-like, you know, strain so that you want to sink into your couch versus wanting to go do push-ups, right? Yes. And so, you know, sometimes you're going to want to disassociate, but still have to get up and run around and do stuff. And so that's one type of sativa-like strain you would want. But then there's other times you literally just need to be in bed and sleep it off. So let's let's yep. get you sinking into your couch, and so that's that's why there's two ways to kind of think about using the different types of of you know sativa versus indica, and that comes to really product selection. I um, there's going to be products that are going to be better for chronic issues, some better for acute issues. Uh, obviously, pain can be mechanical, can be in the gut, can be all. There's all kinds of places it can be. And that's where we try to, we as providers and Blake as a producer, he's trying to design products that are specific for specific conditions or specific types of pain. And I'm trying to figure out with the patient, you know, listen to the patient, what type of pain is it? Where is it? What do we know about the cannabinoids? What do we know about Delta 9, Delta 8? How can we how can we build a product or how can we choose a natural flower that is going to help help you get through, help you get more time, do more things if that's what where you're at in the pain cycle? I found that there was a couple of strains from local growers that I used a lot of that did not work near as well as when I switched to a Fatso or a Mad Max. Um, and it was really night and day. So, uh, you know, in the physical therapy situation, it was very, very strain specific. If, if you're using one strain, it's not as helpful. If you're using another strain, it is. Every strain is different for, for, for people. Well, well temperatures well, seem to be a little bit deal too. Not, not a part of this webinar, but. Well, one, one of the things, if I can address this, I think this is super interesting, by the way, because if you go and look at the genetic profile of most flower that's in the universe, the THC is always going to be somewhere within a couple percentage points one way or another, right? And really, the only difference is a couple percentage points on the terpene profiles. So what makes one more therapeutic than another? And really, it has to do with those profiles and how you're metabolizing those profiles. Mm -hmm. The reason why Mad Max, and I'm going to 
throw down with Mad Max because I like it so much. The reason why I like Mad Max so much is because, because it's high enough in CBG that even if it's not your normal strain that would help, like if you're no, you know, used to like, uh, you know, Dutch treat, for example, or, you know, you're into golden spike or something. Um, <laughs> hi, Tim Pickett progeny. So um, did, you, did you, did you see that? I saw that. that that's um, Mac. <laughs> <laughs> but, but if, you know, so if you're using those, 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 and those are usually helpful for you, they don't typically have much difference in the profile. Mad Max specifically always has somewhere between six and 8% CBG. So I know it's going to lower inflammation. Now it may not be enough to fix you, but I know you're at least going to get an anti-inflammatory effect from it. And that's why I like that strain so much. The fatso is really high in caraophylline, which makes sense of why that one is usually quite therapeutic. Um, but anyway, that's, that's kind of the thing. It becomes hard to like find your right thing, but there are some ways to, sort of tip it in your favor right yeah that, when you're going to the pharmacy while. you're you're trying to choose and sometimes it's choosing an eighth of two different things and then going home and trying them both sometimes it's mixing them um okay. and uh, you know that can be a thing but for when it comes to flour it's a journal it's a journal issue it's you know what did i take how do i feel two hours later what did I take? How did I feel two hours later? And then you can go back and you can look at the profiles a little bit more and you can make a little bit better. Um, you can tip the scales even more in your favor when yeah. you choose new strains because there will always be, I'm talking to uh, Brandon at uh, um, True North, right? And there will always be strains that, that come and then eventually the mothers uh, you know, you, you, the genetics will change. The mother will change, maybe. And so, I don't know. The genetics are going to change just a little bit through time, I feel like, with flour. Do you, would you agree with that, Blake? Yeah, absolutely. That's one of the main reasons why almost every flower that's out there is a hybrid now. There's, only, there's very few true sativa or true indicas. You're getting an indica or a sativa experience based on the terpene profile. But yeah, like true, unique, by-themselves strains sort of don't even they don't, exist anymore. And they, and they just don't last forever, you know? I That's mean, right. the, the plant eventually won't, the, the mother eventually will, will be discarded. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. And, and if you're treating your weed like the soup of the day, people are just cycling as many combinations as they can cycle as quickly as they can cycle. It's just like, I wanna try kitchen sink Next week, I want donuts. The week after that, I want cherry AK. The week after that, I want fat. So, so that's, that's also a challenge because a lot of growers are cycling their flour so quickly because they're just trying to appeal to a taste or a sensation, like getting a new candy or a soda, which is awesome in some ways. But it's also like, uh, well, if you found the right flour for helping a particular illness, and you can't find that flour anymore. It's a problem. Right. Oral, uh, you know, I've chosen a couple of my favorites here. The, the plush gummies I like because they're a mix, Delta 8, Delta 9, uh, right? Um, they're, yeah. And so they, they tend to be a little less psychoactive, a little better in the GI system from a recept, from a absorption standpoint. Um, I don't have experience with the fuel cubes, but um, have had a lot of people have good results with that. I hear a lot of people like them. So... Yeah. 
I, I hear a lot. I hear a lot of good things about the fuel cubes. I I think they're probably a pretty cool product out there. I haven't had any myself yet, but you know, there's but there's a lot time. of there's a lot of products. There's a lot, lot of products, products out there. It's, it's hard to get through. And them then uh, topical. I always go to the Sage Bomb, but I go to the Sage Bomb for for. Yeah. I go to the Sage Bomb because it's an ointment, and ointments tend to stay on the skin longer, absorb longer, and to me, that's a, it's just a practical thing from a medical, right? From, from what we learned in dermatology, a cream or a lotion, it's nice and it feels nice and it's not greasy, but an ointment eh, stays, stays on longer. It's going to absorb a little bit better. And so it's going to work a little better. Yeah. And, and really, you know, we have found now we have a lot of patients that use the Cypress Sage for foot pain. Because what you do is you slather it on your feet because your feet have a lot of calluses and so forth. So you're having to get through a lot more skin in the feet. So a lot of topicals don't really hit it the way that it needs to. Like standard wellness produces a pretty cool patch that works for certain things. The patch doesn't work great on feet because it can't get through, right? And so in the old days, we used to throw things like DMSO in with it which makes you can bypass your skin and get right into the bloodstream using DMSO. DMSO is not healthy for you, right? And so it has some implications for your liver and some other things. And so you don't really want to do that. So you get a thicker balm, you literally put it on your feet, put a sock over it, you're, you're golden. It's, it's going to absorb, it's going to make your feet feel better. We have a whole bunch of people that even have avoided bone spur surgery as a result of using the Cypress Sage Balm. I've Sorry, this is not surprised. designed to be a plug for my my stuff. No, but I, I've I, topicals I, in general are surprisingly effective in in ways that you don't really think that they will be. Like with back pain, again, coming back to that, you think, well, the muscle the muscle belly is too big, it's too deep, the psoas is too deep. It it just works, right? Some things just work, and topicals yeah. just kind of they just tend to work. We, we have found also with menstrual cramping and so forth that a nice balm, especially when with little CBN, is, is really effective at relieving pain there. And so, um, you know, I... Whether I it's know. distracting or it's working down into the tissues, doesn't really matter because it's safe yeah. and it works, right? Some things yep. just work. That's right. Okay, let's get to some questions. We have um, four so far. I like okay, let's let's look. Let's look. We've had a little bit of chat discussion. Um, I'm familiar with a little bit of the chat discussion. Uh, let's let's go with uh, okay, Terry. How long would it take for the cell to heal? Huh? I'm gonna say different different times, depends on the cell. Totally depends on the cell. So, you know, typically cells have different life spans. So like blood replenishes within about 24 hours and so forth. Muscle cells repair pretty quickly because they have a lot of access to ATP and energy. Um, plus they have high oxygen rate. Um, so typically when you think about healing for cells, you're looking at oxygenation is a huge part. Oxygen is a huge part of that whole process. And that's because of the, the Krebs cycle and the citric acid cycle, essentially. It's the conversion into energy that's important for healing mechanisms. Protein is also important, areas that have higher amount of protein. So you, you have little tiny 
little tiny machines, essentially. I mean, they're little organs, but your endoplasmic reticulum basically chart out and make proteins. And so you use amino acids to basically allow your endoplasmic reticulum to make proteins, and those proteins are essential. So when you have muscle, muscle has tons of endoplasmic reticulum. It has tons of mitochondria for producing energy. Muscle will heal quick. Nerve cells already are firing electricity back and forth. You don't move a lot of excess energy into nerve cells. You don't oxygenate nerve cells the same way as quickly. So nerve cells take a lot longer. And some cells heal really fast and some don't heal almost. It takes really long yeah. periods of time. So what that probably is an unsatisfactory answer, but, but it depends on the type of cell. Uh, okay, what, and uh, we got, this is kind of, um, you know, what if, what if the pain is all over the body? To me, this is, this, this is kind of the same question is how do you figure out what will work? Uh, and I know they seem unrelated, but they, to me, and the patient discussion, they're related. You, you start from scratch, you learn how, here's what I would, here's what I would say. You need to know your lowest effective dose for a head change. That's, that's a dose that you absolutely need to know. You need to know kind of how many milligrams THC you can take orally and get a head change. That's your, that's the threshold dose. That's kind of the baseline. You want to stay with that. Uh, that's a dose you can take very consistently and be very productive, not have a lot of psychoactivity, be very functional. And then you need to know your maximum dose, the dose at which you are Paranoid. If you, take, if you take any more, you're going to get paranoid, right? The, the maximum dose of THC that you can have. And while not everybody needs to know that dose, it is helpful when you're trying to create a therapy for somebody with pain all over the body or trying to yeah. figure out what will work. You need to know that. Then for me, it's going through what Blake said earlier, which is try to tip the scales, use the pharmacist, use the QMP, the provider to try to choose products that may be in that window. And then you're keeping a journal. Yeah. And, and that really is kind of a practical answer. It's not really cannabinoid or a terpene answer. Um, it's just practical. The, um, so I one of the reasons I like doing this with you, Tim, is because your answer was spot on and, and really practical. I tend to go off into these weird tangents, which I'm about to do. <laughs> so Lay it on. when you think about whole body pain, you need to actually affect the central nervous system. Uh, it, it's, it's different from putting a balm on because a balm is acute. It's going to fix your joints in the area. It's going to fix your lower back for arthritis. It's going to fix things locally you need to affect endocannabinoid receptor system one, and you need a full across the blood brain barrier to affect the entire system for whole body pain. That's the only effective way to start thinking about this because you need to actually start shifting the way the body is thinking and dealing with the pain structurally across the entire organism versus just something that you're fixing in an area, right? Um, so, so, and I also like layering. I like, you talk a lot about this, Tim, and I agree with you on this one, hundred percent. Layering your products, right? So I take a tincture before bed. 
I wake up the next day, I take, you know, my gummy or vice versa, whatever it is. And then all of a sudden I'm at work and I feel like I'm going to die. This is now an inhalation method, or this is now I'm going to dose again. And it's, that's to get immediate relief, but I'm keeping the normal under control through my daily ritual of taking something. Yep. So that's my response. And then can topicals, and we're going to get to more questions. We, uh, we kind of answered this question earlier. Can topicals help with deep tissue pain? Again. And for some reason, for some reason they do, right? Blake, Blake can't tell me the mechanism because you can't get it deep enough. You cannot get the THC deep enough in the tissue, but it works. It, so I, I don't fully know the mechanism, but I do know this there's cellular to cellular communication. And if one cell is in pain and the cell right next to it has been relieved, the one that's relieved says, I've been relieved. I don't have a stress response anymore. And that tends to calm down the cells that are next to it as well. And so I, you, for, for treating, I only have to get to a nerve cell to start treating it with cannabinoids. And nerves are about an eighth of a millimeter in. So I'm not going to, to your point, Tim, and I agree with you, like if I'm trying to hit my glute or something, I'm not going to get deep enough, but I don't really need to get all the way to, you know, where my muscle is hurting, you know, on my quadricep. I only have to get to the nerves around the quadricep to start down-regulating the pain response. Mm. And so that seems I'm to be- I'm learning something right now. This is, this is interesting and it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. This is, this is besides the mechanical um, help that you're getting really from the massage of rubbing in the topical too. Touch is a very powerful healing tool as well. And so if you can combine the cellular communication, things uh, with the natural product and you don't have to get high, why, why, why not? Yeah, I, I, li I, like, I like topicals a lot. I mean... And plus they last a long time. So you'll go and you'll buy one and they're a little bit pricey, but they should last you three fourths of a month or a month. And yeah. so you're not buying them. Most of my, most of the people I know who are buying flour, are buying flour every week, sometimes multiple times. And so I don't have to do that with tinctures and balms. Typically those will last me a month. Uh, next question is, uh, let's see, we'll, we'll go to, can you get a card for migraines as in the slide? As in I, the slide. Yeah. You're the guy on yeah. that one. You know better than I do. Okay. So in Utah, qualifying under the pain qualification, I wrote an article about this in 2020, right? In the very, very beginning um, when we were starting out. So pain lasting longer than two weeks that is not well controlled with the typical medication. So every provider is going to have a little different approach for this. And with migraines, if you if you have migraines and you've been diagnosed with them and tried some medications for them and they're not working, and you want to try cannabis, then we we look at well, do you qualify under the pain? So, are you missing work for a migraine? Right? Are you having? Do these migraines bother you over and over and over in a in a pattern? Then most providers, myself included, I would say, look, yeah, that is. That's a chronic pain issue, right? It's, it's pain, it lasts longer than two weeks, and it is not well controlled. So we're, with migraine uh, patients, we're trying to use indica and hybrid 
uh, medications, trying to stay away from sativas and inhalation methods tend to work. A lot of CBD um, sometimes helps, but technically migraine is not a qualifying condition in Utah, but pain is a qualifying condition. Um, let's see. What would you suggest for a very busy active person who's been diagnosed with chronic back pain with the only solution being pain management for during the working day? Easy hey, Tim, can I make one quick comment about migraines? Yeah. yeah. We have found it's pretty effective actually to take like the Cypress Sage Balm or an equivalent topical. You put it right at the base of the skull right here, rub it on when you, cause most people can feel them coming on. You start getting your tunnel vision and you know, you can feel it happening. So you put the topical right there. You also put a little bit right across your forehead, go into a dark room, sit and close your eyes for about 15 minutes. And we've had a lot of success of people arresting or stopping their migraine from starting. Because what ends up happening a lot with migraines is you get tons of vasoconstriction, you get optical restriction around the, the optic nerve. And so getting stimulation for all your senses down won't cause as much energy influx in the head. So you're going to want to take all of that down. And then, you know, the balm, the topicals in those areas will help relax blood flow and everything within those areas. And so um, it's, it's an effective way to think about migraines. Great recommendation, Blake. Okay, <laughs> excuse me. Very active person. Pain. Active chronic pain person. It feels like I'm talking to myself. Teresa's um, running around everywhere, nonstop. Running, She's running everywhere. Got just running going crazy all the time, all yep. the time. And yeah, what are you going to do? So this is where I layer. This is where layering comes in big time because you you want first of all, I feel like you want CBD at a milligram per kilogram. Uh, take the pounds you weigh, divide it by 2.2. You need that much CBD every day. That's where I would start. Then I would layer a oral cannabis method with THC or, or Delta 8, Delta 9, um, whatever works better for you. But I would put that at the threshold of psychoactivity. So I'd, or just barely below, because on a scale of one to 10, right? 10 being maximum dose, three being where that head change is. I want you at a three or a two. 2.7, but I want you to take regular doses, morning, noon, night. I want to make sure that those doses are pretty consistent. Then when it's bad, then I can use an inhaled method on top of that and go up to a seven or, you know, five or six, right? But the three, this does a lot of things. We, and the layering does a lot of really cool things. It keeps you at that level so that you're using inhaled, you're going up to the seven, but you're only coming back down to the level three when that wears off, which it will do earlier than the oral. It keeps your inhaled methods down over your lifetime. So you're inhaling 10, 20, 30% less over your lifetime. Your lungs will thank you. You won't get COPD and chronic bronchitis from, not that you will if you're not using a lot, but um, the inflammation in your lungs will be less. Uh, and, and that low threshold tends to be something that patients get used to, they don't have the psychoactivity, but they keep the therapy. Yeah. And a lot of patients can continue to use the same dose for two to five years. I have a patient that has been using the same dose for five years for his chronic pain, same dose. Yeah, so, 
so Tim Pearl asked earlier too, was asking about, you know, well, does your tolerance always go up? It doesn't have to. It's only when you mm-hmm. keep stimulating and taking more that all of a sudden you'll start noticing tolerance changes. But if you find an effective dose, it will stay effective as long as all things being equal don't change, mm-hmm. right? So yep. um, the other thing I would just mention, you, Tim, you're so smart at all of this stuff. I mean, you are exactly right. The, the, I will say this, I have lower back pain. I have arthritis in my lower back. And so after sleeping in the same position, you know, for multiple hours and I need a good sleep, right? And so I will often, you know, take CBN or something and knock myself out. And then I wake rested, but my back is so stiff, it's hard for me to move out of bed. I have a topical by the bed. I put it on a little bit in the morning and within 30 seconds to a minute, I can move out of bed and I can move for the day. And then I layer on top of that. Hmm, That's a great idea to add. I have, let's see, we've got a stage four metastatic pancreatic cancer. What can I use for abdominal Mm -hmm. pain? So I don't know about you, Blake, but this is one of these specific conditions where I, I, you go no holds barred. Yep. I agree. You go all the way. So we're going to, we're going to jack up the CBD dose. If we can tolerate that, we're going to do oral methods consistently through the day. Right, we're going to learn what's good in the daytime, what's good in the bad, what's what's good when I have a really bad day, what's not, and then I'm going to layer on not only flour potentially, but I'm going to I'm going to layer on even concentrates. Here's where, before we get too far into the discussion, because I know you want to add to this, here's where tolerance to me it becomes a little different discussion. So I want to build up tolerance here because I'm not so concerned about using more and more and more I right because there's a we have metastatic pancreatic cancer uh, the reality is is there right so but what we want to do is we want to have a high enough tolerance that we can use a lot of cannabinoids because I now think I need to load this person up with cannabinoids right? I need to be getting a lot of milligrams of cannabinoids in this person to help. Yeah. I, I, Tim, I am a hundred percent in agreement with that because most people who have pancreatic cancer, it's not whether or not you had a good day or a bad day. I either had a bad day or I had a worse day. And so, so really it's no, I agree with you. There's no holds barred. You want to build up a, a tolerance to multiple cannabinoids and you want to hit it with everything. Unlike certain types of cancer, we have not seen we have not seen cannabis directly solve that as a cancer issue. There are some implications that cannabis can help with certain types of cancer. Pancreatic cancer has I've I've heard of people being healed, but like there's not a lot of data to support that. There's pretty good data to suggest that CBG helps with glioblastoma in the brain. Patriot, pancreatic cancer, it, you, you need relief to enjoy your life, you know, what life you have left. And so you do what you got to do. And yep. your doctor should. This is, uh, yeah. And this is where journaling is important. Um, because if one strain is not working, you need to discard it and move to another strain. If one so, product isn't working, you need to, you need to either increase the dose. Like this is where you're really trying to get religious about it, get technical about it, I think too. Um, yeah. 
because some things, there's going to be some strains that help with appetite more than others. And finding those might be helpful during the day, right? And then at night, other products. I, uh, I also put a plug in for RSO here, uh, like true RSO, because I think for some reason there's, there's something to the whole blend up the whole cannabis plant kind of mentality. Yeah, I, I agree with that too. And really, um, it Delta Eight may be helpful taking the edge off too. If we're talking about specific products, Delta Eight may help taking the edge off. It won't be sufficient for all your pain, but at least it will start that process because Delta Eight will just give you more of a body high than a, a head change. But you know, in the trunk, you have a high absorption rate of cannabinoids, and so um, I like Delta Eight in those those circumstances. Um, but excellent question. Okay. So, and like, this is where you, like, we we're available for this type of discussion outside of the webinar series. Right. Um, okay. Colin asks non-psychotropic cannabinoid cartridges. Yes or no, no question. A, a CBD, a heavy dose of CBD vape cart helps immensely. It's like topicals to me. I'm just surprised at how effective they are. Uh, you know, when you, when you use a straight CBD product or a CBD, CBN, CBG, and there's more and more of these good products on the market, I'd say yes. Yeah, so um, yes, definitely. Be careful where you get it. There's so, a bill on the hill. We don't want to go down this rabbit hole, but you've got to, you I carry be... two products, right? I carry, I carry, I know where it's made, the cartridge in Logan. I know where your, your tincture is made and grown, right? There's just limit yourself to good, reputable products. You have, have to. Good testing. Yes. Especially with inhaled and especially with cartridges. Especially with cartridges. Trust who you have making them. Yes. Yes. Uh, okay. What if you can't get the same product? Um, yeah. Okay. Here I can, I can answer this from a Zion perspective. If, if it's a Zion product and you can't seem to find that same Zion product, literally just email the company. And if it's a product that we have that worked for you, but for some reason we discontinued, I will make it just specifically for you. Tell me what pharmacy you go to. And I will ensure that they always have that product for you. Always. I can't offer that for everybody else. I can offer that for Zion products because we, we typically don't phase out a lot of our products very often. Um, and so, because when you make a medicine, people become reliant on that medicine. So you always have to have it available. Um, that's, that's actually a good indicator about companies in general. And I don't just mean Utah, I just mean in general in the universe. If somebody is changing their product so often that you can never find the same product repeatedly over and over and over again, they're not doing it from a perspective of trying to make a medicine for somebody to have for the rest of their lives. And right. so make it, key, you know, send an email, send a strongly yep. worded email that says, hey, I use this for, yep. for medicine, keep making it. Yep, okay, last question uh, and, and a difficult one. So, this is a patient, uh, I, I know specifically the patient. If, 
if the delta eight is causing vertigo and headaches, is a patient with a lot of chronic pain, a lot of chronic abdominal pain, flares, it comes and goes, but it's but it's hospitalizations, uh, that type of thing. So if I change to a different, but but the delta eight, so we talked about delta eight, recommended it for some reason causing vertigo and headaches. Here's my, yeah. here's my question. So I don't think we're gonna get to a great answer on this tonight, but I guess I could generalize it for the, for the rest of the audience here a little bit too, is when you have a chronic, when you have a chronic pain issue and the products that you're trying to take are causing a side effect that you don't love, right? That is, that it's, it's causing a problem and you can't get through the side effect to get the relief, what do we do? I, I think that really is more yeah. of the question here, right? Like we, we have this problem. We think we're leaning. We're again, tipping the scales to products that we want. We think are going to help based on what we know, but we're getting a side effect that we can't get through. So what do we do? Yeah, my, my initial gut, Man, I would love to know what the what the product is and the administration route is, is the first two things I think of, because a lot of times I I have heard this uh, uh, specifically around vape carts around Delta Eight. Sometimes it, uh, I've heard people getting vertigo from from an inhaled method of Delta Eight, but they don't seem to have the same problems with like a gummy with Delta Eight. Um, so, <clears throat> so so I'd want to know the route of administration, also the product in in particular because. It could be the terpene combination, or if somebody's using botanical terpenes, not by the way, I'm not against botanical terpenes per se, but it may not be the right thing. Also, if you don't know where they're being made, so it looks like tried gummies, tincture, and capsule. Um, <clears throat> do we have Delta 8 capsules in, in Utah? Mm -mm. I don't think so. Uh if all but these... this is uh this is, i oh you're in colorado okay so i'm, I'm gonna even take a couple steps back this this is the whole debate around delta eight delta eight so delta eight is a cannabinoid that is an analog to delta nine and it can it's typically made the way most people make it is they take sulfuric acid or hydrochloric acid and they dump it into either CBD or Delta-9 and they start to force the bond to shift thermodynamically under heat. The acid serves as a catalytic bridge to move that bond over. And then they either take the acid back out, they neutralize it, they should be washing it. There's a whole bunch of stuff to do to clean that Delta-8 up. If they don't clean it up, you can notice a lot of, of health implications around that. You can get vertigo. I mean, I have heard headaches. I've heard all kinds of things associated with that. So knowing your source and how they make it becomes really important. Now, you don't have to make Delta-8 that way, by the way. Um, you know, I, I'll just speak for my own, um, my own company, we use energetic oxygen, heat, and UV light. And you can still get the bond to move without having to use um, 
harsh acids to do that. Um, I would try one from Zion or somebody else that's local where you know where it's being made. I would try that first to see if it, it helps. If it does help and you don't have the exact same experience, it tells you that your Delta-8 you were using before is adulterated. If you do use it and you get the same effect, what that tells me is we need to think about different forms um, or higher levels of Delta-9 with lower levels of Delta-8 so that you're getting a masking of that. Mm -hmm. um, I would continue to use Delta-8 if you need, if it's giving pain relief and you find unadulterated and it works, that's the right way to do it. If you can't find unadulterated Delta-8, I would switch strains. Because if you don't know how it's being made and somebody's in their garage with radiator hoses dumping hydrochloric acid in something, that's sketchy. You need to be careful of that. And so that's, that's not the right way to think about it. And let me bring this back to um, medicine with, you know, the, the medicine that I was practicing before, which is to prescribe a pill. Yeah. When, when it doesn't, if, if you come in with a problem and I make a prescription, usually we are taught that you should try three different medications, you know, basically at least three, if the first one didn't work. So we're gonna give one a trial then we might give a different one a trial, then we might give a third one a trial. In many cases, in some uh, conditions, we're trying up to five medications before we're giving up on that, that even almost class of medication. So this isn't, this isn't to say this is common and, and, I'm, and I'm not trying to like dilute the issue, but it's, this, this is, it's unfortunately kind of where we're at, right? is sometimes these things take a while to figure out. And again, why keeping a journal is probably a good idea. Trying multiple products is a good idea. But like Blake said, when anything you know about with Delta-8, it's just such a controversial topic um, that you wanna know, um, you wanna know where you're getting your products. Uh, yeah. I, and I, getting, and, and to uh, Terry's point comment there, you know, getting help for chronic pain is hard, right? Yeah. Because providers are, we're busy, we're impatient. We, we, you know, you come in, we write your prescription, you're out the door. Thank you for your copay. And uh, that's just, we yeah. don't like that. It's the reason why Blake and I are part of the reason why Blake and I are in this. Well, and, and this, this one in particular hits a home with me a lot um, because, you know, when we had the stuff going on with my daughter and thinking about what the implications of that are, when I went and got product from everywhere, I was getting inconsistent results, metals, pesticides, horrible chromophores showing up, all kinds of things everywhere, right? Which is why I got into this in the first place, because I decided I had to go just do this on my own. You know, uh, I've been trained as a bioanalytical chemist. My background is bioanalytical chemistry. And so I've been used to making medicine the way Tim is used to it, right? In the pharmaceutical company. And I'm like, why can't cannabis be the same way? Because that's the thing that helps my daughter. I'm moving away from all this craziness. And there are more producers of cannabis products in the US than almost, you know, than most other businesses at this point. But you can't trust 80% of them, yeah. right? 
I do like medical markets a lot because medical markets typically are more tested and more, you know, rigorous than mm -hmm. often adult use markets. That doesn't mean there's not good products there. It just means that, you know, typically in Utah, I've been audited. My company has been audited by the state every week for the last like month and a half. And so maybe it's because they're just really trying to find something wrong. But, but the point is like, Every single thing I make is tested. Every the state is in my business all the time, and so yep. you can trust it. Well, Blake, this is this has been a good uh, this has been a good discussion. It is. I like the, I like this one. I think we've there's, done a. I think we've done a good job. There's Let's so see, many smart people who have been on tonight, and so many people who are are just. So great. Thank you everybody for, for attending. And I hope, I hope it was useful. If you have more specific questions, you can always come to Tim and if he needs. Well, yes. And time. the, one of the best ways to do this too, is to go to Utah is to go to the YouTube channel. So in fact, we were, we're, uh, we're answering questions all the time. If you go to the YouTube channel on discover marijuana, where this would be posted uh, and you make a comment on one of those videos, you ask a question on one of those videos, we'll try to answer it. But that way we can answer it for everybody and we don't have to just uh, keep the answer to ourselves and, and um, keep it secret just between us. So I think um, I, I think that is probably the best way to get a hold of us. Subscribe to that YouTube channel. We really appreciate the feedback that we've gotten tonight. And uh, Teresa, to your question, yes, all the pharmacies are selling mostly the same products. I. Um, there's, there's a little bit of variation, but most are selling a lot of similar products from, from the same companies, all tested. Anyway, take care, everybody. Thanks, everybody.